0: tuning in the Radicards podcast and Radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and today I've got uh, the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Jim Beckett, founder of Beckett Media. He's allowed me to take some of his time today to, to interview him for a podcast. And so thank you, Jim, for sitting down with me.
1: Sure, Patrick. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that. Now, what have you been up to since you sold the company back in 2005?
1: I've been retired. <laughs> I do a couple things. I mean, I've gotten a little bit more involved in the hobby in a, in a more visible way through the podcast, yeah. which has been about a year and a half now, and I've really enjoyed that. But all along, I've been, I've been doing a lot of pro bono consulting, yeah. and I'll, I'll probably do an episode of my podcast about that at some point. But it, Over the course of many, many years now, I've done about 5,000 pro bono consulting meetings yeah. where I've helped organizations and leaders and people, young and old with uh, just, sometimes people get stuck or they need a perspective that they, that their friends aren't going to tell them. And if they go to a paid consultant, the paid consultant says, well, I I can help you, but it's going to take a lot of time. And since I'm a free consultant, I said I I, I can give you some insights, and it's not going to take a lot of time, and it's not going to cost you any money. And of course, many of the people do not listen. But when I was a For profit consultant, some people didn't listen as well. So, uh, I I feel like that's a good use of my time. I've really enjoyed it, but I've also enjoyed the so so. Those are my two main things. Good. I like that. Other than staying healthy and you know
0: all that. I like that. I like this. I mean, as long as you're happy doing what you're doing. I think
1: I am happy because I I have margin in my life. I didn't have a lot of margin when I was running the company. Yeah. I had a lot of great teammates and uh, you know, really enjoyed what I was doing, who I was doing it with. But at the end of the day, I was pretty tired. Right. And it was a long day and long years, a lot of the price guide stuff. So not to have to do that, to know that the company's in good hands. And uh, I just want to be an encouraging friend to my former teammates. So that's, that's, uh, that's been a lot of fun.
0: I like that. That's, that's great to hear. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that response. Um, you know, we, we share similar collecting styles. I've seen you at card shows, um, digging through bargain bins. I do the same thing. Um, what do you like to collect?
1: I'm probably, my focus is probably low supply, low demand. <laughs> I like that. And there's not a lot of competition yeah. because of low demand, yeah. but there's not a lot of stuff there because it's low supply. Right. So I after all those years Rich Klein understands Rob Veris probably understands sure. it has to be somebody that's very very familiar with the long tail but I absolutely am and so I can look through a box and I'll pick out if 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 it's one out of 500 cards I'm interested in yeah. that's not good it, if it's one out of 2 it's never been that so it's one out of 10 one out of 20 cards oh that's interesting it's a it's, but again, it's been sitting there for a while because it's low demand. But it's low supply and it'll eventually sell. My my selling horizon, I'm, I'm giving this nugget here, my selling horizon is 10 years. So right. if I buy something and I think it'll sell within the next 10 years. Right. So I'm super, super patient yeah. in an industry where no one else is patient, I right. think.
0: Gosh. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. So it'll eventually
1: sell in 10 years. Yeah. And I'll be vindicated at buying this card for a low price and selling it, not for a huge price, but for a lot more than what I paid for it.
0: Now, do you sell at that point?
1: Yeah. Well, what's what's happened in our industry, which has been kind of amazing, yeah. is in the last year we've seen on the high end, but it happens on the low end too, is you either auction the card off right. because you don't know what it's going to go for. Yeah but then you're afraid maybe it'll go too cheap. Uh-huh. Or you put a buy it now price on right. that's extra high. And what's happened in the last year is people say, oh, I better I better strike. They don't even make an offer, they take it. And so, yeah, I'm I can. i I'm more of the buy it now guy. I say, here's my price that I eventually want. If I get an offer for it that's close, I, I would take that. But it's, it's, it's more the buy it now. I mean, I kind of know what the value is or what it should be. Yeah. I, obviously, I did price guides for for decades, right.
0: That's I like the long tail piece that you brought up. Long tail and
1: very patient. Yeah. Long tail and long time because long tail is never going to be hot. Right. And you just have to accept that. So if you want to flip things, that's not the. I could immediately flip some of the things. I I can double my money right. on a bunch of them. But but again, it's low supply and low demand. If if my problem is again, I'm getting philosophical here, <laughs> but is that if you're a flipper be careful who you're flipping to. Because if you're flipping to another flipper, then you're the flippy, you know? You just got flipped. And so I hear that a lot, is that somebody bought something at a great price, and then the day or the week or the month later, they sell it for a lot more than what they paid for it. But now I look back and I see, wow, it's gone up even more. And so the person that bought from the original person had intention to flip it himself. So I don't want to get flipped.
0: You know, you talk about low supply and low demand, so oftentimes that will indicate uh, low low price. Oftentimes, not always, but typically speaking, that will you can find a lot of stuff in that category of very affordable numbers. Do you ever buy make big purchase decisions that are above four figures on cards?
1: I have, you but I, not not uh, not often. Mm-hmm. Not often. I would. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I. I was on somebody's podcast, and I said, you know, I, I want to sell things that are that people want to pay double what I think they're worth, and I want to buy stuff that I think is 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 half or less of what it's worth. Yeah. And so, if if the right thing was there, I'd again, I'm a little bit capacity controlled. If somebody offered me too much volume, I'd I'd have a lot of explaining to do. If the if the truck pulled up to my <laughs> to my house. Uh, but uh, buy a couple boxes of cards or a monster box of cards and, and look through it. That's fun for me.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, I understand that timing is everything, but I'd love to hear what, what was your main reason for the exit from Beckett Media. I know you'd been doing it for mm-hmm. quite a while at that point. Well, even, you had 21 years you'd been producing with.
1: Well, even before I'd, uh, you know, so I'd been kind of had a corporate or, or, a, or a business presence within the hobby for even 10 years before that. but. Right. Uh, so I, it was, uh, it was probably time. I'd, I'd had a heart attack, and I just uh, it, it, you know when you're the rainmaker, and uh, you know I just wasn't. I, I don't think I was as fired up as I was when I started, yeah. or 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 halfway into it. And by by the early 2000s, I'm being more of an executive. That that wasn't. I mean, I had I had uh, I had plenty of degrees, and so I. It, I, I enjoyed the challenge, but the challenges weren't about the cards anymore. The challenges were about having a bunch of employees and having an industry with a lot of uh, stakeholders that think they own the category. Right. That's not as much fun. And so the time to sell is when somebody says, Hey, we want to buy your company. And you say, Well, I
0: don't know. It can make me an offer. Right. It's got to be serious. <laughs> did, did you scout? Buyers, or did buyers we, we come had an to investment you?
1: banker? We had an investment banker that went out and looked. I thought. I think now's the time. Okay. And it, it probably the time could have been earlier, but I, I wasn't ready. And it wasn't about maximizing. I mean, again, when you like we're talking about, uh, you know, in an MBA program, you you can you know stand back at a distance and say, okay, in hindsight, the best time to sell would have been something. But we're not in hindsight. In real time, I thought. I thought about it, and then finally, I thought, you know, this is time. So I. I enlisted uh, you know, some expert help. I had fabulous attorneys that are, that, uh, you know, in, in many cases, I don't like having people that, I started out, I think, I won't say in many cases, but I started out before my corporate career, I thought, well, it'd be awkward to work with somebody that was your friend. Right. But then over time, you realize, wow, if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna sell my company, do I want an attorney that's billing me that I don't know at all or do I want attorney or attorneys where I know their wives, I know their kids and I, you know, and I, and I know they're quality people and top of their game. The latter for sure. The latter. But I never thought about that. Yeah. I thought, well, I'll just make it dispassionate and get the best person. Now, if you're looking for a surgeon, maybe that's the case. <laughs> right. Okay. But a doctor that's going to take into account your history. And so I was very well served, yeah. very well served. And I had a bunch of buddies that had sold companies that were, advising me, and I would wish I'd listened more.
0: Sure, okay. You know, selling a company timing is not all that is similar from selling trading cards and timing. You know, I was having a conversation with a client recently about I'm, 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 he's consigned uh, a, a trout rookie with me at BGS95, and I asked him, I was like, do you want to hold on this? Because, or, to, or maybe we'll run into a LeBron James situation where this stuff skyrockets within a year, and you maybe get 2300 now, or you get 6000 in a year, and he's like, no, just sell it. I was like, okay. So did you ever think about holding, the longer you hold, did you think the valuation was going to increase or did it even matter at that point that the valuation was enough for you to exit the company?
1: Well, I knew the value would be enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't about the money. I mean, I wanted to make sure my teammates were taken care of, and for the most part, they were. I mean, it's it's uh, when, a, when a new owner comes in, they get to, they're, they're the boss. They get to do what they want to do. So. so it was that, and I didn't really... I didn't. It just was time. It just was time, and I had, like I said, I had things to retire too, yeah. and I, I was, uh, it was, it was, it was the right decision. If I'd have waited a little bit or done it a little bit sooner, I, I don't know that it appreciably would have, would have mattered. I, I had a good relationship as with the uh, with the new CEO that came in that the the acquirers brought in. And uh, there's still a whole bunch of guys in there in the company. Mostly the guys in the grading right. that were there when I was there. They've 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 worked very hard.
0: Yeah. Just for the sake of entertainment, Jim, if you were to re-enter the leadership team today with Beckett Media, what would be one of the things you'd want to tackle first?
1: Well, uh, to keep it simple, I wouldn't. Uh, but as I said, I I don't know if I said it. But I mean, I'm a pro bono consultant, Mm -hmm. so I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) I've spent thousands of hours in the last many years helping companies and individuals with more specific problems, either articulated or or not so well articulated. So uh, I would not I would not accept a job, but I'd be happy to go over there for an afternoon. And I have, you know, and talk about. If they've got a problem, I'm happy to bat it around them. That, that's what I love doing. But at the end of the day, I'm going home, <laughs> and I'm going to sleep with my wife, like and uh, and these other guys are going to wake up the next morning and, and uh, show up to work. So uh, so I'm a, I'm I'm really I'm really comfortable being a pro bono consultant. So if Beckett, any of the Beckett entities, you know, I've had them on the podcast. They really I really like uh, you know everybody over there pretty much everybody, I should say. Sure. Uh, yeah, 99%, so. <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help. Yeah. But, it, but since I'm pro bono, I'm not gonna help every Monday. Right. I'm not gonna help every other Monday.
0: Just whenever you feel I'm gonna like
1: help when, there's, when they have a problem, I'm happy yeah. to, to discuss it with them and give them a, a dispassionate but expert
0: perspective. I like that.
1: And they can accept it. I gave them some great advice last summer, and they said, oh, that's fantastic. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, okay, well, not, we're not going to lose any sleep over it. I think it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what it was, but it, I think it was a great idea. And somebody will do it, and I'd love for them to be the first ones to do it.
0: I like that. Uh, Jim, if, if you were to had the opportunity to travel back in time to when you managed the company, what's one thing, one decision or thing you would have done differently?
1: Uh, I think I was uh, too slow to double down on grading. Okay, okay. I was the holdup. Uh, we got integrating after PSA had gotten quite a, quite a good lead, I would say head start and, uh, and they did an awful lot of things right. And so the way we tried to come in and be a a different opportunity with very pleased with that, but we could have done it a year or two before. Uh, The other thing I didn't do is I didn't get into e-commerce as fast. And again, I was the hold up there. I had brilliant. People working for me who said, you know, this is the next thing. I said, I know it is, but it's kind of cannibalizing uh, what we're doing, and um, and I, I I just think I was too conservative. In hindsight, now.
0: In hindsight, it's always in hindsight. Well, that well, uh, hindsight's 2020, right? That's the thing.
1: My, my hindsight's 2010. <laughs> I've got Ted Williams' eyes when it comes to hindsight. I can see really clearly when it's in the rearview mirror.
0: Jim, what's one piece of advice you wish you had before the first issue of Beckett Media was published in November 1984?
1: Well, it wasn't, uh, well, it was, I think the advice I gave myself is this is gonna work. Okay. Because it didn't look like it was gonna work immediately. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it worked okay, but other people had higher, I mean, I just thought, you know, I'm not a goal person. I think we gotta get to this circulation. It was like, I know this will work, whether it's, uh, you know, it's, I think it's fun being a big fish in a small pond. The problem is when the pond gets bigger and you're still the same size fish, then the fish has to make adjustments because the other fish get bigger and all that stuff. So the pond got bigger and our company, you know, I I had so many talented people uh, working on our team that we were able to keep up with the increase in the pond. And now the pond is turned into a, a kind of an ocean you know, and I just feel for the Beckett Media price guide guys because it's it's so hard to keep up with what's going on because you 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 couldn't you, a monthly price guide you know in print is is all really tricky work all the time even a, even the online price guide it's hard we we uh, and Rich knows Rich Klein knows when you it, it's almost like when we got started updating because I did all that stuff and then Rich did all that stuff when you get get. You get done with the book it's almost like you got to start over again because another year has gone by you got to start over you got to do the next sport and so it was pretty nonstop. Mm -hmm. I bet and so my advice to myself if I had known that you know that 12 years later I was gonna have a heart attack and have other you know other traumas uh, I still think I would have gone forward I mean especially since I survived I barely survived the heart attack but I did so um and you know, unfortunately, that's the price people pay sometimes. Right. And it's, it's uh, you don't know that in advance, but if you're gonna be your own boss, which I think you understand that, it's the buck stops here. And no matter how many teammates you've got, and no matter how great the teammates are, uh, in fact, the better the teammates are, here's the problem, Patrick, the better that your teammates are, the, the more they take care of anything except the really big, messy stuff. <laughs> so the only time somebody knocks on your door it's because there's a big problem. They don't come to you with the easy stuff. They've right. already figured that out. And so, uh, but again, so the, that, that's what I do in my pro bono consulting. I, but it's their problem. I don't, the, the monkey never gets on my back. I am, I am in their corner for an hour, hour and a half. And at the end of that meeting, I shake hands or bump fists or elbows and say, you know, uh, I wish you well and uh, let me know how it goes. But I, I don't take on the burden and mostly, it's, it's just the impetus. It's, it's getting somebody started in the right direction and having some encouragement that, you know what, what you're doing is not working, but if you make this adjustment, it just might work.
0: I like that. I like that. So we'll it's end on kind that. of
1: encouraging. I, I call, the short form is strategic encouragement. Right. It's not just, hey, Patrick, you're doing a great job. Just keep up what you're doing. It's, <laughs> Patrick, the, the way you do that is really working. Now, this other thing, I'm not so sure about that. Have you ever thought about this? So, but you've got what it takes. But sometimes people have what it takes, and they're they've got a bad business model. Right, and that happens in our hobby a lot.
0: All the time, yeah, sure. Well, I think in any category, right? Any category. Jim, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Thank and, you, Patrick. And, and and taking the time to go through some questions about your business, about your background, what you collect. I really appreciate your time. Um, uh, do you have any final thoughts?
1: No, I will say, keep up the good work. You know, I'm, I haven't. I'm more of a podcaster than a than a than a YouTuber, but. Yeah. Uh, I I, uh, I think the hobby is needs to be attacked and analyzed from every different direction. And you seem to have your bent. I have my bent, and there are many others. And that's what makes the hobby really fun and dynamic. So Excellent. keep up the good work. Uh, I love the way you're bringing your your uniqueness to your expression of the hobby and, and are willing to share it with others. Thank you, Jim. That's good.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you for tuning in to the Radicards podcast on radicards.com. Thanks again, Jim, for sitting down with me. And until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you, enjoy collecting.